All right, take your Bible. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. And uh, if you're new to our church, we've been walking through this book of the Bible, the book of Ephesians. This is week 8 out of 13. And uh, our theme has been our identity in Christ. The Christian identity is the only identity that is received and not achieved. Eric? Eastern Washington, just for you, my man. Just telling you. I was looking for you. All right. So the Christian identity is the only identity that is received, not achieved. It's not through our achievements. It's not what we've done, good or bad. We receive our identity from Christ of who he is and what he has done for us. And once you've heard the gospel message and trusted in Christ and been born again, the Bible says you are a righteous child of God. You are sealed, you are saved, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're adopted, you're chosen, you're significant, you're accepted. And when we transform by the renewing of our mind, we begin to believe that this is who we are in Christ, then it changes our life. When we got to chapter four, Paul began talking about all the things that need to change in our life, our relationships with one another, our unity, putting off, putting on. In future weeks, we're gonna talk about marriage, we're gonna talk about parenting. We're going to talk about taking Christ uh, into our workplaces and putting on the armor of God. Today, we're going to talk about a specific topic, something that can ruin your life. If you don't master it, it will master you. If you don't deal with it, um, it will eventually damage or destroy every relationship you care about. And it's something that some of us maybe struggle with a little. Some of us maybe not at all. But some of us, I want you to listen because I believe that maybe God has brought you here this morning because he wants you to hear what this is. This little guy right here. Now, I am very qualified to speak about anger. If, if you have not heard my story, please don't be shocked. But uh, I don't want to offend. I don't want to cause uncomfort. But it's part of my story and I like to share openly uh, about my struggle with anger. I, I grew up in a uh, Catholic, well, it wasn't really a Catholic home. Dad stayed home and mom took the kids to church, went to Catholic church. I was an altar boy. I didn't really know the Lord for me. Uh, when I was, I don't know, 11, 12 years old, I stopped going to church. By the time I hit 18, I dropped out of college and began to party for two years from the ages of 18 to 20. I don't remember much. There was a lot of cocaine. There was a lot of marijuana. There was a lot of girls. But I, what I do remember is at the age of 20, my family loved me enough to do an intervention. And I ended up going to treatment center. Uh, didn't work the first time, went again the second time. But I finally began to go to AA meetings every day, try to get rid of this drug addiction and alcohol addiction and mostly drugs at that time. And then I met this young woman named Tammy Toner. That's us, a long time ago. She was a peach. And uh, Tammy, Tammy, uh, uh, well, when I turned 20, Two, three significant things happened in my life at the age of 22. One is I finally heard the gospel and gave my life to the Lord Jesus. I was at a passion play in Puyallup and, and I responded to Christ and I said, Jesus, my life is yours. Now from that point forward, my life became perfect and I never had problems again. <laughs> You're not believing me. Number two, I asked this woman to marry me and I'm not so sure why she said yes, but we've been together now 35 years, over 35 years of marriage, and uh, thank God for her. The third thing that happened at the age of 22 is I discovered that I had a real problem with anger. There was an uncontrollable anger inside of me, 
And sadly, the person that received the brunt of that was my girlfriend who became my bride. See, this little guy is cute, but this little guy is not so cute, okay? And for too many, probably for two or three years of my life, this was me. I was out of control. And Tammy, as my girlfriend and also as my wife for the first year or two, was a victim of domestic violence at my hands. And not only were there incidences of of physical abuse, but more than that, there was times where I was just nasty and mean and verbally and raging and abusive. I would put my fist through walls. I would break things. I have a gash in my chest right here that I took a piece of glass in a fit of rage and just cut myself. It's still there. And I ruined our wedding day. Weddings are supposed to be, yeah. I'm forgiven, (laughs) but I did that, you know, to this day, my wife doesn't like, she will say, bad wedding, good marriage, I'll take it, and, and I appreciate her spirit, but her father didn't walk her down the aisle, some of her family didn't come, it was literally one of the worst days of her life, because of my actions, and my inability to control my anger. Now, by the grace of God, the domestic violence ended some 33 years ago, and I can honestly say that I cannot remember the last time in a fit of rage I lost control of my temper or said something hurtful. In fact, just recently, I had an encounter with somebody in my family very close to me who was really provoking me and saying some hurtful things, and I realized that by God's grace, I was able to speak the truth in love, and again, no glory to me. It's just a testimony. Uh, April, I was one way, and now I'm another way, you know? That's, that's what God has done in my life. You say, well, what happened? Did you go to anger management classes? Yes, I did. Court appointed, they did no good. Did you see a counselor for your anger? Yes, I did. Court appointed. It did no good. So what happened? Well, at the age of 24, uh, I was in the Air Force. My wife and I um, were stationed in Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. And I was a new Christian. And she convinced me to go to a Baptist church. I'd never been to a Baptist church my whole life, but I figured there was something wrong with Baptists. And so we walked into Muldoon Denali Baptist Church. And I remember telling her, we will go to the church, but we're not going to go get involved. But something happened that morning where the word of God was preached and it came alive in me. And the next thing I knew, I wanted to go to church Sunday night and Wednesday night. And I went to small groups and I went to men's ministries and I got involved in discipleship and I began serving. And three years later, the same person who was angry and abusive when I came to that church was being ordained as a minister of the gospel when I left that church. And I was still in the Air Force. And so the Air Force sent us to Fairchild Air Force Base in Spokane, Washington. We looked for a Southern Baptist church, and we found this one. This is Pines Baptist Church. Now, if you don't recognize that church, that's this church. We used to have a choir loft right here. I think the third person on the top right, that cute little blonde is my wife. I could be wrong, but she sang in the choir. Pastor Terry's up there, uh, Richard and Corey and and. Bobby's leading the choir. We were here for several years in this church. And here's the thing. In 1994, I became a pastor and a full-time pastor. I've been in full-time pastor ministry since then. I've never been to cemetery. I mean, seminary. (laughs) Slip of the tongue. I've, I've no formal training. 
I'm a drug addict and a wife beater who through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, and the local church, I was changed. That's why I believe in the local church. That's why you will hear my message to you. Don't just attend a service on Sunday. Get involved. That's how your life's going to change. When you, when you build community, when you have people around you, the iron can sharpen iron and relationships can happen. But anyway, I'm moving on. Let's talk about anger today before I make some of you mad. Ephesians chapter 4. The best passage of scripture, in my opinion, on how to deal with anger, if I had one, this is it. And we're, we left off at verse 25, and here's what Paul says. It's a short passage. He says, therefore, laying aside falsehood, putting off falsehood, put on speaking truth, speak the truth in love. Each one of you, verse 15 says, speak the truth in love, speak the truth, each one of you to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, here it is, my favorite passage on anger. Be angry and do not sin. Do not, let the uh, do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Notice three things. Do not sin in your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity in your anger. We're going to come back to that. Then he says, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing what with his own hands what is good, so he'll have something to share with the one in need. The Bible teaches us that one of the reasons we have jobs and we work isn't just to get money to spend it on ourselves, but to give, to give to those in need around us, to give to the Lord's work. And then he continues on with anger, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word is as good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now he's talking about anger. And one of the things I will say is sometimes we look at this verse and we think that unwholesome words are certain words that begin with certain letters. But I would suggest that you could take the word meatball and turn it into a curse word if you said, ah, meatball, right? Okay, so he's talking about anger again and, and using our words to curse. And then he says, use your words to lift up and build up other people. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I don't know if you remember all the way back in chapter one, Paul said, here's the good news, the gospel, that when you hear the gospel and believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. How long are you sealed? According to this verse, you're sealed until God gets mad at you and then decides to leave you. Is that what it says? No, you're sealed unto the day you're redeemed fully in his presence, either when Christ comes or you die and go home to be with the Lord. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you unless you hack me off. Is that what he said? No, I'll never leave you. You're sealed. But also the Holy Spirit is a person not just the force, the very person and presence of God is in me. And when I turn to the flesh, whether it be through sex or alcohol or anger, which is a sin of the flesh, I can grieve the spirit because the spirit sets its desire against the flesh, the flesh against the spirit. These are in opposition. And then he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then the positive, be kind and tenderhearted. To one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Father, open our hearts now to your word and the teaching of it in Christ's name. Amen. I take this topic of anger seriously because it's something that I've dealt with. It's something that I've seen uh, used to destroy a lot of relationships 
And so that's my first point. I'm going to give you some pointers here, but I hope more than anything you'll listen to, to God. The first thing I think Paul is taking concerning this sin of anger that we deal with is we have to take it seriously. And I think we, there's a tendency not to take anger seriously because everybody is angry, aren't they? Everyone's angry online. Everyone's angry at government. Everyone's angry at their boss. Everyone's angry at the traffic. Everyone's angry at the weather. I mean, anger just seems to be the most acceptable emotion that people share. And the Bible tells us in verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Now, do you think the emphasis there from the teaching of God's word is encouraging you and I that we should be angry? Say no. It's not saying, hey, be angry, be angry, be angry. No, it's saying when you get angry, make sure you don't sin. Is it possible to be angry without sinning? Technically, yes. Jesus was. Jesus never sinned. Jesus had a righteous anger in his life. He overturned what the, the money changers in the temple chased him out with whips. He called the, the Pharisees, you know, hypocrites and brood of vipers and whitewashed tombs. I mean, there's a righteous anger that is a holy anger. But here's the thing. I'm going to be sharing a lot of scriptures with you. I've written them on your outline. You can look them up later. And by the way, most of these verses are verses that I've had to memorize. And the reason I memorize verses is because I need them. These are all verses on anger, and they've helped me over the years to renew my mind in my battle against anger. But here's one, one of my favorites, and it says, this you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to listen, to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. My mama used to say, God gave you two ears and one mouth, right? Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Why? Because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. What is he saying? Most of the time when you and I get angry, it's not holy righteous anger. Most of the time when we get angry, it's usually about us or something else. And so he's saying, be careful in your sin, excuse me, in your anger. When you get angry, you've got to check and make sure, is this a righteous anger? Because most of the time, our anger does not achieve the righteousness of God. We've got to take it seriously. And I think a lot of times, I used to minimize my anger. Tammy would say, you're getting angry. I'm saying, I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. You ever said that? Oh, come on. Because if you call it frustration, it's not really anger, right? The Bible calls it sin. In fact, Jesus said in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said that you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, Matthew 5, that even if you're angry with someone enough that, you, that you're gonna be subject to judgment, if you call that somebody a fool or an idiot or a knucklehead or whatever, if that's the heart, if it's like, ah, meatball, right? You know what I mean? That guy's a jerk. You know, that's what he's saying is you are guilty enough to go to hell. Just for that. The issue isn't what you say, it's the heart. The issue is the anger that we have and we minimize it because everybody around us seems to be angry and it's okay. And if you're a guy, by the way, anger is one of the only acceptable emotions that we're allowed to show because we can't show fear, we can't show weakness or hurt, but anger is okay. At least so our culture says so. Verse 27, so important. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And what's that last part saying? Yellow, do not give the devil 
an opportunity. Now, I've been studying the Bible a long time. As far as I know, this is the only sin that I found in the Bible where it says, here's a special sin where the devil can be given an opportunity in your anger. Because there's a point, if you've ever been there, and I have many times, where in your anger, it's like it builds and builds and builds, and the dam breaks loose, and now you're not in control anymore. And it's like the devil is coming in. There's, a, there's another verse I memorized years ago, Proverbs 25, that says, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Now, in that day, the wall was the only thing that defended you from the enemy. And so when your wall is down, you're just completely overrun by the enemy. Do you remember the first person that got angry? His name was Cain. He killed one quarter of the world's population. You think about that, you might get it. And the Lord said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, Why are you angry? Why are you angry, Cain? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you don't do well, here's what he said concerning anger. Sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you and you must master it. And I get this picture. I feel like there's a point in our anger where it builds and builds. And, and it's like the devil is just crouching right by the door waiting. And sometime in my anger, I can just say, well, come on in, devil. And use me to bring the greatest amount of destruction to the people I love the most. Let me say hurtful words that I can never take back. Let me perform hurtful actions that they will remember. And we open ourselves up in anger in a special way. This is a serious sin. That's right. Sometimes we think about the fruit of the Spirit and the deeds of the flesh in the book of Galatians. One of the things that always strike me is that when you look at this list of the deed of the flesh, we think instantly of sex and money and drugs and those things are listed there. But did you know that eight different items are associated with anger? Enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, disputes, factions, dissensions, envying. That there's something in our flesh that just wants to give full vent when we're hacked off, when we're upset. We think it feels good for the moment, but we're giving up control to the flesh. And it grieves the Holy Spirit and it destroys relationships. And let me just say one more thing before I move on. And I speak with all the truth I can in my heart that if you're here this morning and you're a victim of some type of physical or verbal, serious living with somebody who is an explosive anger, um, in the state of Washington, if you go and tell somebody, they mandatorily have to report you unless they are a pastor. In the state of Washington, pastors are not mandatory reporters, which means if you want to talk to somebody in confidence, I'm not going to turn whoever it is in. But I will tell you what the Bible says, that a man of great anger will bear the penalty, and if you rescue him, you'll only have to do it again. That you need to keep yourself safe, and sometimes you need to physically remove yourself from the situation so the person can get help. But you need to have someone to talk with because that's part of the danger of this is you, you, it's kept private. So anger, serious issue. We need to take it seriously. We're opening ourselves up to demonic forces when we lose control. Second thing, and this was something that I had to do, is I had to look in the mirror 
and stop blaming everybody else for my anger. I had to take responsibility for it. Because I was really good at blaming, oh, it's my dad's fault because he hurt me when I was a child. Or it's the world's fault because I'm just a victim. Or it's her fault because she made me mad. Or it's his fault because he made me mad. And what Paul is saying in this passage is he says, you have a choice. Listen, you're now a child of God. You're not enslaved to sin. So you can be angry without sinning. Okay, you cannot let unwholesome words proceed out of your mouth. You can put away bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and slander and malice. You have a choice. And so many times we just justify our anger. And I hear people, oh, you have a good reason to be angry. I'm not so sure that that's the biblical response. In fact, Jonah, he was hacked off at God. You remember that? And God said to him, Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry? He says, yes, I do. I'm ready to die in my anger, you know? And we, you know, well, he made me mad. He hit me. Do you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said, even if somebody slaps you on your face, you don't have a right to get angry. Just turn the other cheek. That's pretty high standard, but this is what God calls us to. We live in an angry culture, and we have to stop justifying it and take responsibility. That other person is performing in a stupid way. I understand, but you have a choice how you're going to respond. Are you going to let that person ruin your day and get under your skin and blow your cool for the whole day and get angry? Okay, so here's three things Paul says, practical advice. Number one, try to keep quiet if you get angry. Bite your tongue. And he says this in verse 29. Don't let unwholesome words proceed out of your mouth. Because once it's out, you can't take it back. If you're married, go for a walk. If your spouse struggles with anger and they're trying to go for a walk, let them go for a walk. Let them cool off. Okay? Everyone's got to be quick to hear, slow to speak. And slow to anger, because if you're angry and you feel that thing you want to say, and you know that there's something you can say that will hurt and do a lot, I mean, pull the guns out. Right? No. Just keep the mouth closed. The Bible says, he who restrains his lips is wise. One of my favorite pictures in the Bible of the mouth is the Bible describes the opening of our mouth as the opening of a well. Right? James says this, the mouth speaks of that which fills the heart. So I've said some really hurtful things before, and then I said, well, I didn't mean that. It wasn't in my heart. Well, actually it was, because that's what came out. So be careful what comes out. And yes, out of our mouths, James says, the mouth is like an opening to a well. Fresh water, we praise the Lord with our mouths, and then we curse men. Ah, meatball, right? He says the same thing. So if you can at least put a lid on the well, that's step number one. Try to be quiet when you're feeling that anger. Why? Because words have power. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Some of you here this morning, right now, you could think of some hurtful words that were said to you decades ago, and they still hurt. Because death was in those words. And some of you can remember some words that brought life to you. So we need to be quiet when we're angry if you have to. Number two, deal with it now. Don't let your anger keep over. He says, 
don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now, that's a very good practical piece of advice for marriage. If you're angry with your spouse, if you're having a conflict, I would strongly encourage you, if you don't deal with it today, then tomorrow or next week, you're going to be having an argument, and it won't be about what that argument was about. It'll still be about what wasn't resolved today. Somebody say amen. Okay? My wife and I took this verse literally. There were times we stayed up till 2.30 in the morning, (laughs) and we're going to talk this out so we can get to bed. Um, But I think the greater picture is that if we hang on to anger, anger plus time equals bitterness. Have you ever known somebody who just had a bitter spirit? They were just angry at everything and bitter because we hold on to unforgiveness, we hold on to hurt, whatever it is. And over time, if we, if we, it just festers and builds into something that we don't want in our lives. And he talks about bitterness in verse 31. You know, so it's important, especially in the context of marriage, uh, that we deal with our anger today. Figure out what's going on. And that brings me to my third thing, which is to check your heart. Check what's going on inside. And that's what Paul's saying in verse 31. Could be malice, could be slander, could be anger, could be, you know, some other issue that's, that's stirring that up. Now, I'm, I'm not a psychologist, but psychologists will say that anger is a secondary emotion, which means it is covering up something else like a blanket. I like to compare anger in my life. I learned early on, it was maybe one of the only things that helped me in my counseling, was anger is like your check engine light. You guys ever seen this light come on in your dashboard before? What do you normally do? Ignore it. Ignore it. That's exactly right. You look at it and you just hope it goes away. Right? Start up the car. It went away. It's fixed. You know? I don't have to do anything. Let's ignore it. I think when you start to feel yourself getting angry... When, you, when that anger starts rising in front of you, because it's an emotion, we can't always control it, I think it's a check engine light, and what I need to do, what I've learned to do when I was really struggling with this, was to tech, take a moment, step back for a second, and check under the hood of the car, so to speak, okay? What is going on inside of me? Now, I'm going to share with you three words. They're not on your outline. They may not be relevant to you, but these are the almost every time I found myself getting angry, it was one of these three things. Number one, it was hurt. Yes, men do have emotions and men can get their feelings hurt even though we don't talk about it because that would make us sound weak and wussified and things like that. But there were times where somebody close to me was saying something that hurt me deeply and I didn't know how to respond to it except Volcano Jim, right? That was the only thing that I could do was to express anger and hurt. So one of the things that I've learned to do is to try to learn to speak the truth in love, that when I am hurt to be able to say, uh, in fact, this incident that happened not too long ago with a family member, as I was speaking the truth in love, is I had to say, listen, you're really hurting me right now because I care about you, you know? And, and, uh, and again, when the anger comes, check under the hood. Number one, it could be hurt. Number two, more often than not, it's my pride that's hurt. You know what I'm saying? I'm angry because how dare you cut me off? Don't you know who I am? I mean, I didn't say that, but that's what happens. That person did this to me. And you're so important. Why, Jim? You know? 
but I, I worry about my reputation or what somebody said about me. He said this about me. That's not true. That didn't hurt my feelings. That hurt my pride. And I'm all worried about my reputation or this, that, and the other. So again, for me, when I start getting angry, it's either hurt, pride, but more often than not, it's control. It's control. Something's happening that I can't control. Like I used to get angry when we were trying to get to church on time. And I have five children. Have you ever tried to get five children ready and get out the door by nine o'clock? Wear your shoes, put your shoes on. I told you to wear, why are your clothes off? You know what I mean? So you lose your stuff, you know, because somebody's blocking your goal. You know, you're, you're driving along and all of a sudden there's an accident or a traffic jam and you're angry. Why? Because now you're going to be late and you're not in control anymore. God is so good because I've had to learn how to just roll with life and realize I'm not in control. You know, you're, you're going along and all of a sudden you spill something or you break something and you go, ah, meatball, right? You know, you should, you should just not be so upset. Life happens. You're not in control. Let's, let's break that illusion right now. You're not in control. You are in control of how you respond to life. You're not in control of what happens, but you are in control of how, how you respond. So we need to take seriously this sin. We need to take responsibility for it, check under the hood, all these things. Let me close with this, because people have often asked me when I share my past about anger, they'll ask me, well, Jim, what happened? What did, did, you know, did you hear a sermon on anger that changed your life? No, this probably won't for you, sorry. Uh, did somebody lay hands on you and pray over you, and all of a sudden you, you never got angry again? Or did you have some mountaintop experience with the Lord where you came down and all the anger was gone? None of those things. You want to know what happened? I grew up. The most important thing you can do if you want to deal with anger or any other sin in your life is to grow in your faith, to grow up spiritually, to keep coming to church, to keep reading your Bible, to keep praying, to keep laying aside sins, to keep dealing with those things, to keep trying to follow Jesus. Do you know the Bible tells you that when you come to Christ, before you come to Christ, you are spiritually unborn. Now, all of you are physically born. Go like this. Yep, you're alive. You're, you're alive. You're physically alive. But spiritually, some of you may not be alive. You might be spiritually dead. How do you become spiritually alive? You hear the gospel. You put your faith in Christ. Well, when you become spiritually alive, you are now a spiritual babe. Now, I know that's a lot hard to, for some of us to admit because you're like, I ain't no baby. I'm 40 years old. Well, if you just gave your life to Christ today, you're a spiritual infant. And you have to grow. How do you grow? The Bible says this is milk and this is food. And the more you drink and the more you eat, the more you will grow. And the more you come around your family and the more you bring your life before God and pray, the more you will grow. And you become a spiritual infant to a spiritual toddler and a spiritual toddler to a spiritual child and a spiritual child to a spiritual teenager, spiritual teenager to a spiritual young adult. And eventually you can become a spiritual parent who is reproducing themselves. Amen? Making disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. And all of us are at different places on that pathway. And I will guarantee you that just as physical two-year-olds have temper tantrums, you know where I'm going with this, spiritual toddlers also still struggle. That's why when I came to Christ, like all of a sudden, poof, my anger didn't go away. I had to grow up. 
I had to develop. See, what happens, let me just share the gospel two minutes real quickly with you. If you've never heard about Jesus, if I could sum up the entire message of the Bible in two minutes, it's simply this, that God who created the world, who is good, who loves you, he's also holy. Even though you and I are broken and we live in this broken world, he wants to save us. He wants us to have eternal life. But we all have a sin problem. And if you don't believe in sin, have children. Because you never have to teach your kids how to do wrong. It just comes naturally to lie and to be selfish. We have an inborn nature towards that. But God solved this problem 2,000 years ago when God himself became a man. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was a human being just like you and me, except for one thing he never sinned. He was perfect. He lived 30 some odd years as a righteous human being for you and for me because we couldn't live that life. And then at the end of his life, he went to a cross and offered himself as a substitute sacrifice, taking my punishment and your punishment from a holy God who loves you so much, he punished his own innocent son for your sin. And then Jesus rose from the dead. And when you turn to him in faith and say, Jesus, you call upon the name of the Lord, you ask him to be your savior, you receive him, you trust him, you surrender to him, whatever it is you want to say, at that moment, by God's grace... Not through anything we did, but through your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And you're declared righteous in Christ forever. You're born again, and your sin is paid for in full by Jesus. Now, when the Spirit comes to live inside, the Bible says that he wants to produce his fruit in our lives. As we grow, think of a, you plant a fruit tree, plant seed after one year. Is there going to be fruit? Say no. Two years, fruit? No. Three years, maybe. The fruit appears as that tree matures. The Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit because it belongs to the Holy Spirit. I can't produce the fruit. But as you grow as a Christian and you're going to church and you're reading your Bible and you're following Jesus, he produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. What's that last one? Self-control. Wow, do you know how I was able to control my anger? I grew up. I grew up spiritually in Christ. And as I continued, I wish I could give you some magic pill this morning that will take away all your anger. But if you want to really get rid of this or any other challenge in your life, you just follow Jesus. And I'm not trying to be, oh, just follow Jesus. Your life will turn out better. But you know what? It did for me. That's all I can say. God changed the person I was through the power of the gospel. I was one way, and now I'm another. I, uh, be, go ahead and worship team, come up here. And, and while well, I want to share a few more scriptures, I was done. But even as I began to walk as a Christian, I found verses that just would speak to me. A fool always loses its temper. Wise man holds it back. And I thought, okay, do I want to be a fool or do I want to be wise? And I found another verse that said, you know what? If you, you can throw gasoline on the fire or you can throw water on the fire because a gentle answer turns away wrath. Do you know it literally does take two to tango in an argument? You can turn away that wrath with a gentle answer. Through Christ, you have the ability to do that. And this is probably my favorite verse. Men, we want to be strong Strong man. A strong man is someone who can bench press and looks like he, a, a truck or something, right? No. Do you know what the Bible says strength is? 
Strength is ruling your own spirit. If you can control your own spirit, you are a strong man in Christ. And I was a weak man 35 years ago. So last verse, Ephesians 4.32, we're going to end on a positive, And I love this. Because after all of this, do not let the devil do this. Do not let the sun go down. Do not sin in your anger. Do not let unwholesome words. Do not let bitterness and anger and clamor. Paul ends this chapter with a positive command. Be kind. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. That's what anger comes from, from hard hearts. Forgiving each other. Anger comes from unforgiveness. If you have some unforgiveness in your life, I'm going to tell you that anger will, will pop back up. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you.